0: Somebody said to me, do you read that kind of stuff? And I said, madam, I not only read it, I write it. And people would say to me,
1: well, why don't you write something serious? Why do you write science fiction? Write something serious. By that they meant important. Nevertheless, I did as
0: as well as I could. I wrote the, the most profound, the most imaginative novel I could and just floated it out
1: into the world, and hoped that eventually it would receive an audience. This is the Adapted to Screen podcast. Everything changes. Hello, and welcome to the first episode in, hopefully, a whole host of episodes of... The Adapted to Screen podcast. This is a podcast where myself, Richie, and uh, my fellow co-presenters, co-pals, co-people, we go away, we read a book, and we watch its, um, its brother, its, its cinematic brother, and we, we compare the two, basically. It's just an excuse to sit down and watch a film and uh, read a book, and then talk about it. That, that, that that's what this is with, with me Phil, Phil Phil McCulloch hello how are you
2: I'm very well thank you how are you Richard
1: I'm so excited I can't even begin to tell you
2: I'm looking forward to it as well
1: and Wayne 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 is with me uh those who know me and know Wayne will know us from our other podcast you haven't heard this music podcast or you probably haven't heard of that podcast either and you, you've just come across this on a whim and uh, and they've probably turned off. Hi Wayne.
0: Hello everybody. Sell it to him, Rich. Sell it to him. Go on, do it, son.
1: <laughs> so yes, the so we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna kick this whole thing off with Blade Runner. Uh, you probably already know this because it'll be on the title so Blade Runner and its book Do Andrew's Dream of Electric Sheep is the book Blade Runner is the film yes I didn't enjoy this one this was not a good start for me but uh, I'm going to hand it straight over to Phil to hopefully give us a bit of background on it all
2: okay so um, the the author of the book, Philip K. Dick. He, I'll give you a little bit of a blurb. Uh, born in 1928 and died in 1982, was born a twin. His sister died in infancy. Uh, he lived most of his life in California and wrote more than 50 books in his career, some of them which have been adapted to screen include uh, Next with Nicolas Cage, Minority Report and Total Recall, among others, like Screamers.
1: That, uh, Next, is that the same kind of vein, like a futuristic type film?
2: Uh, no, um, from, from what I remember, Nicolas Cage can see 15 seconds into the future.
1: Oh, I remember that one, but- yeah. That was awful. Well, no, you know what?
2: I actually enjoyed it. I thought it was it was a good bit of fun. You know what I mean? The, I think I spent most of the, f- watching the film, thinking, how can how can 15 seconds benefit anyone? But, you know, it was a bit of fun watching it. And Nicolas Cage is always fun, whether he's mad or good.
1: A lot of people would disagree with you on that one. There's a, 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 Nicolas Cage seems to get a lot of hate. He's like the Nickelback of the movie industry. <laughs> Do you have anything, Wayne?
0: Yeah, Philip K. Dick is in very much in the same vein as Hunter S. Thompson and he was tripping balls a lot when he wrote. So that's where a lot of his ideas come from. He also was inspired by a sci-fi writer, a, prod- a prodigious sci-fi writer and founder of Scientology, L. Ron Hubbard. That's where a lot of his influence come from as well.
1: So this is this is going to be the uh, this is going to be the vein of the show. I am going to be sat here listening to you spout names between the two of you because you know lots of names within mo- the movie industries and books and whatever, and I know nothing. And then a lot of it's going to be me sitting here listening to you name drop and going, mm, yeah, yeah. Mm.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, this was your idea. <laughs>
1: it was my idea to do a podcast about something I don't particularly know a lot about. But I know how to read a book and watch a film, so I feel like I'm, jo- I'm I feel like I'm joining in on, on my own podcast. I'm just throwing my own two pence in on my own podcast. Ridiculous. This isn't going to work, is it? So, as a, as a, as a brief ov- overview of the the film and the book, I would say it's. <sighs> what what the film seemed to miss out what well, and be, the reason it missed it was because readers and uh, the screenwriter didn't w- read the book and the book was a, was it was like a a philosophical masterpiece it's the kind of thing you can imagine being used a lot in uh, philo- uh, philosophy lectures in universities the the film hmm. however you seem to miss a, a lot of that i think only once Massively. in the film did, did they uh, mention Descartes, uh, cogito ergo sum which is basically what the whole thing is is all about but it didn't really it it only touched on it
2: yeah i think probably with if with with this book i think it's probably it's probably a good idea to talk about the book like talk about the book and then maybe just like compare it to the film rather than this is what the book says. This is what the film does. Cause like the book it really is a lot different. Like for me, I thought that it was very like when I was reading the book, it was, there's there's hardly anyone left on earth and like there's radiation. It's, you know, it's like the Kipple, the, uh, the Mercerism, the empathy box, the emotion keyboards or whatever they were using. All of that stuff isn't in the film, you know, that everyone's still there. You can emigrate if you want, but like everyone's still around and everyone's having a good time and businesses are flourishing. And there's none of there's none of that despair that's in the book, really.
1: Yes. I oh, no, yeah, I absolutely agree. It feels more like a wasteland in the book. Uh whereas, yeah. the, whereas in the film it's like some sort of dystopian future where um it almost feels like it was set in like a, a futuristic China. Yeah.
2: Tokyo. Tokyo on steroids.
1: But two, yeah, two completely different feelings. It, the, the scenery, I, I, I imagine, in the book is almost Mad Max-ish. Um, I don't know. I
2: I, I I, just imagined it, like, for instance, if you walk through Birmingham City Centre at the moment, you know, with the coronavirus <laughs> lockdown, no shops open, no one really around, and you're in a big area with no one except for a few people. Okay. And a few things. Yeah, I,
1: I, I had wastelands. I had, like, the, so at some point there's been a, a nuclear, nuclear disaster and it's all yeah. wastelands. World War III. Yeah. And they've tried to make the best of it.
2: Some parts were wastelands, especially at the end of the book. They they pointed on that. Was it Oregon? Was it like that was the wasteland? You can't yeah. go there because it's full of radiation. You hit on it, Richie. I really struggled the first 40 pages, done my fucking head in. But after that, I'll, like I just read it, all, not all the way through, like a couple of days, I was finished.
1: No, absolutely agree. I, I hated the book. When I first started reading the book, I thought, I I'm not going to be able to get into this. But then after a while, it, it all seemed to click into place and I did enjoy it. The film, which should have been easier to understand, I had to find a special version of it where he, he narrates his part. Deckard, is it Deckard?
0: Why did you watch that version? Why did you watch that version? For God's because sake! Because after
1: because after watching that version, I understood the film better.
0: It's the different. It's a different film. It's a different film completely with, with the narration.
2: Uh, so I'll watch the director's cut. Uh, actually, quite funny though. You say that, Wayne. I thought that the film needed that narration, especially if you haven't seen the book. Because I watched this about maybe about ten years ago. Because I was like, you know. People always say Blade Runner is so good. It's a brilliant film. And I watched it and I was just like, what What? What was that? I didn't under, I didn't get it. I didn't understand it. And I was just like, I can't see what the fuss is about. But then I've, I've read the book and then I'm watching the film to kind of see the book come alive, if you know what I mean. So at least I knew what, even though there was a lot of changes, I still knew what was going on. But even when he goes to the police station, I'm like, there needs some kind of narration in this to be able to follow it. Yeah. So I, I agree with Richie. That's a good way of doing it. But I all agree with you there, Wayne, about not having the narration because... But you, you you would have had to have read the book first. You need some kind of narration.
1: Mm. My, my biggest takeaway from it was the whole philosophy side of the whole thing. It was... it. The the book is touching on racism, and the the guy was well ahead of his time if he was writing this stuff when you say he was, but it's it's touching on racism, it's touching on ethic. I it's like like the the uh, the androids they're called Andes in the um in the book, they're called replicants in the film. To, to get a proper understanding and knowledge if they're they are Andes or not, and androids or not, they have to do bone marrow on them. So these things have got organs, they've got brains like us. You can't tell from their their internal workings. They have to do a bone marrow test. So for all intents and purposes, they are human, but they've been... No. No?
2: Well, no. I think maybe because of the year that it was writ or written, whichever the correct word is. Um, Because all I was thinking, wrote wrote a murder she writ (laughs) um all i was all i was thinking was like an android is something that's been made okay and whether it's got skin and blood and all that there's still got to be some kind of circuitry involved in in that being so either x-ray or like metal detector there you go easily found. And but the you book, could, they could check organs can, and stuff,
1: couldn't they? They could cut it open. Say, uh, like, oh, it hasn't got a kidney. It's a fucking robot. But it, it's not like they're, they're so identical to us.
2: But I think that's just like I was saying. It might have been about that when he's writing that, x-rays and metal detectors might not have been a thing. So, you know what I mean? And that's all I was thinking was easily solved. X-ray, metal detector you're going to find oh, some form book. of...
0: Both of those things existed when this book was written. This book was written and released in 1968, so both of those things existed. Okay, cool.
2: Yeah. Well, that's fair enough then. Um, but that that was all I thought. I thought, well, if you... In, and I'm talking exclusively about the book here. Because there's so little people left around, it would be very easy just to have, like, metal detectors stationed everywhere, and as soon as it pings, you're arrested... And you're oh, but you miss, you're missing and something he, now.
0: You're missing a big plot point here, fellas. There's no need for those things. There's no need for any of those things on Earth because androids are not permitted on Earth. That's why Blade Runners exist. Androids nah. should not be on Earth at all. They're only permitted on Mars. Yeah, because on, the on that the base, human race, Blade
1: Runners shouldn't exist
0: either. But it's happened. Some of the, some of the androids have migrated back from, from Mars. Ie, oh, yeah, but Roy Batty and his and his team of androids. the The fundamental difference between the androids in the book and the booking androids in the film are Roy Batty is trying to lead a revolution against his human overlords. We are we have created the androids, therefore we are god. In the film, Roy Batty and his small band, they're trying to find their place in the world in their small four years. That's one of the massive themes. In both no, of the
1: books. that's the other way around. In the book, they're just trying to live a normal life. They just, they, they just want to get by. They've got normal jobs, it's just like the Russian. The, he was a policeman, and everybody, you know, he got an opera singer in in the film. That he he, he finds his master, his creator, so uh, so he can extend his four years. His objective in the film is to extend his life. And and God forbid anybody should get in his way. In in the book, they just want to live a normal life and everybody to leave them alone. That's why they've come to Earth in the first place, to get away from the shit that they've come from.
2: They were on the run in the book, weren't they? They were on the run and trying to blend in and get away rather than do whatever. But then again, I didn't I didn't feel that he posed any threat. I don't think any of them posed an actual threat in the film, if you know what I mean. Like if, yeah, they're if, sinister
0: if the as goes, fuck. In the book, they're they're nothing. It's like they can be extinguished like that. But in the film, yeah. they are they are a force to be reckoned with. You know, when the first yeah. void test happens, you know it, it's mm. this chap sits down with him, and he, you know, this android knows he's going to kill him straight away. They are a force to be reckoned with. They are a revolution, as it were. That they've decided to rise up. In in the book, they seem like just damn squibs. You know, we've come back to Earth to try and well, like you say.
2: He did, he did kill them very quickly in the book. The final fight, you know, Roy Batty versus Rick Deckard in, in the book. It was over in a second and you were like, yeah. oh. <laughs> was that it?
1: Yeah. There's importance placed on things in the book that's overlooked in the film. It's like Animals. They mention that the owl uh, isn't real. And she says in the film that uh, if I could, af- would I be working this job if I could afford a real snake? But that, that it doesn't, there's, there's an actual importance and a, a meaning to, to why that they mention those things in the book. And uh, his wife's missing well, for the start was, in the film. Well, you see,
2: I mean, in the book, that was the story. The reason why he yeah. was after, the reason why he was going after the, the, uh, the the next sixes was enough money to buy himself an ostrich. That was it. It was like, if I, if I get these six, I'll have six grand and I can go and buy myself a nice cheeky ostrich. When he goes to uh, the Rosen Corporation, first of all, they pretend that Owl is real. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so that it's doesn't like, happen like the animal all. thing. No, but that's up, uh, but that's, that. I was, I was going to get to that, that you know, the, the importance of animals and the status of animals. I think, I think that was highlighting how bad, the situation was after WW3 or World War Three, I guess. He only says WW3, but obviously there was bombs and there's radiation and everything died, and what was left is really, really precious. Um, you sure it was WW3, well.
1: not ww and it's just a really bad episode of WrestleMania?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Um, but another thing I noticed as well, I say this was. I think Wayne said this was. Uh, written in 1968 obviously there was that tension between america and russia the cold war and so on and so forth for for like 10 years or whatever it was 10 15 20 years between those two countries but in the book they they kind of work side by side and i think that was him predicting the future you know that was his version of what's going to happen in 30 years well yes but the cold war is over and yeah he's wrong um but like, like i picked up on those bits where obviously those were the issues of the day you know the you know the nuclear testing conflict with another country and you kind of put in what happens if and what happens if but just like you said in the film well you know the, the to be honest the film was completely different it didn't like you said about his wife going missing i think in the film he couldn't have a wife and have an affair with the robot because that would make him look unsympathetic as a character so for that relationship to happen with Rachel Rosen if that was a name in the film I'm not sure, but for him to have that relationship with the android he can't have a wife
1: yeah, I liked the ending where he goes off into the sunset in the film with Rachel in the car and it's everyone lives happily ever after, as opposed to Rachel kicks his goat off the roof I did prefer him driving off with Rachel, That was that was better
0: so that's the, that's the original ending, that is, the, the, um, the car going across the coastline. That is stock footage from The Shining film, that is, that was, over, that was left over from Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. So they used that in the film. There was a massive problem with editing, and the people who were going to, I think it's Warner Brothers, who were releasing Blade Runner weren't happy with the ending. They wanted a more uplifting ending, because the ending to the director's cut doesn't feature that at all. It just features, am I right in saying that, uh, that Deckard and Rachel just leave?
2: They just get in a lift. Oh, actually, yeah. And I just wanted to, I just wanted to bring this up. And just going back to the narration thing, because most of the time in the book, Deckard is on his own, except for when he's with uh, what is visit Phil Roos, the other, the yeah, other Yeah, the, the one,
1: the one that that they no. you think for a long the longest time is uh, an Andy,
2: but he's not. Yeah. So I so I was wondering if if the weird. If the weird Benicio del Toro bloke, he was in it from the very start. I, I, I never caught his name, uh, but the other cop, you know, the cop who brings into the police station and, and who does those little origami things, whether he was playing kind of that character to give oh, you a bit that. of to, to give you a bit of narration to guide us along, or at least guide Deckard along a little bit, because at the end, and that's what I was going to get to, in the in, in the in the director's cut, um, obviously that chap says they all die in the end and when she leaves his apartment she drops a little origami thing and then they get in a lift and it ends so whether like he was at the apartment and was going to kill her but then decided not to and left that there to let him know he'd been there
0: there's a whole thing there, right? And if you've watched the original cut, it's going to make no sense, the origami unicorn at the end. The, the original cut will make no sense to you at all why he's picking up that origami thing. All that shows is, is that Gaff, that's, that's the name of the chap who's played by Edward James Olmo, uh, Osmos, Olmos, Olmos, I think his name is, has been to Deckard's flat. And in the original film, in the original cut, you're getting that he's been there, and he knows he's with Rachel, so therefore they have to go on the run. In the director's cut, Uh there is a scene with the unicorn, which is a dream, yeah? And this feeds back into the whole, um, you know, side of the internet that still argues to this day whether Deckard is a replicant or not. Right, so the scene that's cut from the original cut, but it's in the director's cut, is Deckard dreams of a unicorn running through a forest, and at the end, he finds a origami unicorn which suggests that gaff knows his dreams and how do you know somebody's dreams unless you already know they're implanted in somebody therefore deckard is a replicant that's what that whole scene is about
1: um deckard is a replicant in the film and he's not in the book ridley scott confirmed that he said he said he is
2: Uh, i thought he was in the book when he got took to the police station
1: oh yeah so did i
2: yeah and I was like, Oh he's a robot, and he doesn't know what's going on, but then nothing obviously when that was revealed that that copper was a was a replicant and it was all like a big front And then I never thought that he was after that
1: in the book he, t- he he gets him to take the test doesn't he and he the passes the test, test yeah. the void test, and he passes it, and I always wondered, did he pass the test, or did he just tell him he passed it do you know what I mean because that's the way it felt to me. It felt like it felt like it. Deckard had become like a, a compassionate towards them, and he felt his ang- anger towards not his anger, but his anguish towards being um, something he didn't want to be. And rather than telling him he's an android, just tell him he's not. How's he ever going to know?
0: Let's let's take a different tact here on this, right? Because from from my end, the book treats the bounty hunters, i.e., Blade Runners, completely different to how the film treats them. Because in the book, they're treated like they're just literally guns for hire and it's something they're doing to get out of what they're doing. They're doing it because it pays well and they want to get out of the way as quick as they can. They don't want to be hunting. And it's not a job forever because, obviously, the more replicants you kill that come from Mars, the less they're going to come. So they're trying to move on. And they're sort of treated, for me, like second-class citizens, almost like like old-fashioned private eyes in old film noir's. Whereas in Blade Runner, I feel like the Blade Runners are quite revered, and it's it's a station to look up to, and it's you know you become a Blade Runner, and it's it's more seductive than it is in the book. It is. It, for a start off,
1: the the film the film they call them Blade Runners. What's more cool than being called a Blade Runner in the book? You're just a bounty hunter. Mm. That's what they mm, are. True. They're bounty hunters.
2: I, I, I did get. Um... I did get a Philip Marlowe vibe from from Rick Deckard out of the book. I think just like Wayne said, they're like a mm. like a nineteen fifties private eye. Um, the one thing that I, that I couldn't that that I didn't understand in the beginning of the film, where um, what did you say the other character's name was? The other copper who pops up every now and again
0: in the film. His name's Gaff.
2: Gaff. So when Gaff, Gaff yeah. comes, he goes, "Oh, you're under arrest." Yeah, uh, when he goes, you're under arrest and they take him to the police station. It had a very much of a, a diehard three John McClane vibe, you know, and, you know, you just see him and he's just like, a, just like, I'm out, I'm done, I'm finished. What do you want? Kind of thing. He wasn't really bothered. But then obviously there was no motivation for him. You know, he didn't have a wife. He, he wasn't bothered about animals. I was just like, you know, they didn't talk about money either. There was no kind of like, you know, well, it's worth... Two thousand credits for yeah for every one
1: yeah and you've got the book as well that he keeps he keeps popping out a book the the like a, a, a catalog of animals and the prices mm. in in the in the uh, in the book and it's, it's that, that that's basically what the the, the 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 book is it's him wanting to buy a real animal because he's got this shitty electric sheep and he wants to get rid of it because even though it looks real he knows it's not real and he wants something for his wife to keep her company because she knows she's sad and they've got the, the you know they've got they've got this mood thing where she she'll be, she'll be feeling down and say I'll oh, just go over to the mood computer mood computer thing and just type in feeling great or, or whatever. Completely not in the film at all. However, had they put in that that in the film, it could could have come across quite weird.
2: Well, what what I didn't get uh, about that is like I think like like you type numbers in, but like I thought, don't you have to be plugged into it? for that to work. Like an Android? It just play? Yeah. That's it. That was my first thought. My first thought was if you're going to press like 16 on the keyboard to make you fa- to make yourself feel better, then what is it, a sound that goes on, on and then all of a sudden you're instantaneously better? You know, or do you have to plug it into something like, you know?
1: See, this could be the author. To yourself. So, author <laughs> uh, t- tipping his hat towards the idea that actually – everyone's androids, they just don't realise it. Whereas if you wanted them to be human, it could have been a case of she presses number six and a pill drops out, and that pill gives her the feeling and the emotion she wants. That didn't happen. It's like you say, well, it's, it, feel, it feels like them, are androids and them plugging themselves into a system.
2: It was the same with the uh, empathy box as well. You, you hold the empathy box and you see Mercer. Now, surely that is, um, you know, like, like like some form of rebooting, yeah. where like you know you like you plug yourself into like the mains computer and you get re- or you get rebooted or you get like refreshed of information, and then you carry on.
1: I'm still I'm still still now trying to rack my head around the whole empathy box. They see Mercer and someone lobs a cobble off the back of their head. What the fuck yeah, was that? that. <laughs> Just and who's still, who's been given the job of? Right, so and so is on the box. You need to run round there quickly. Just pop over in the flying car and just lob a cobble off the back of his head for me. Who's got that job? It's so <laughs> strange, so fucking strange. I mean, it's probably got some. It's probably some sort of symbolism, but I just I, I couldn't figure out what it was. Well, I mean, I mean, I mean, that's possible.
2: Didn't didn't was um, he was it, uh, was it uh, Garrett or Garfield in the book? The the police. Uh, the police inspector who was an Andy didn't he say something didn't didn't he allude to the fact that Deckard was probably a normal person and then had been killed and then re androided for the purpose of hunting androids mm. uh, or did I get that from somewhere else because that's when I started thinking oh maybe he's because of the because of the the mood organ because of the empathy box. Because of all these weird things that really you need to be plugged into to get any kind of benefit yeah, from.
1: Yeah, but uh, John Isidore had, had them as well, and he wasn't—he wasn't, he wasn't uh, an android. He was a chicken head.
2: Yes, well, we'll come to that in a second. But maybe it's like what you said. Maybe there was more androids out there. Like for instance, because uh, Hannibal Chew in the book—or not Hannibal Chew, sorry—the um, Hannibal in the book, the electronic pet repair man. There's, you could argue that uh, that Isador died, a horrible death, and he just rebuilt him to be his little chicken head run around or a, You know, possibly. What I mean? So maybe possibly. he was as
1: well. I, I just imagine, like, because uh, obviously somebody who's read the book, people who read the book, obviously spoke to Ridley Scott about the book, and there must somebody must have said, to him, about the empathy box and somebody, uh, some and a, a cobble being lo- lobbed off the back of their head, and I can just imagine him going, well, "Well, maybe just probably just leave that out for for this film, yeah."
2: Yeah, yeah, most, yeah, no, yeah, most definitely because because there's there's more things that you like. For instance, just like we're having a conversation now, you say, "Well, how does the uh, how does the mood organ work?" Oh, what you do, you press a button, it makes you feel better. How? Hey, well, I don't know. Well, then we can have it in. You know what I mean? Like, like, who's Mercer? What's Mercerism? Well, let's forget that. That's going to add another thirty-five minutes onto the film. Forget it. Move on. We'll just have. We'll just have him hunt down some robots.
1: That was my favorite. You got, got this whole thing about Mercerism. It's a big thing in the book. That later on you find out through um, uh, what they're called the presenters. You have got Buster Friendly,
2: Mister Friendly, Buster Friendly,
1: Buster Friendly. So you find out through them that. Uh, Actually, Mercer, Mercer's a fake person, and uh, gets out to the, the the major population. The major population go, well, we're still better with him anyway, so we'll just keep it. So what was the what was the fucking point in adding it to the story in the first place? It doesn't. What, what what does it? What does it actually add to the story? To the main plot of the story, it adds fuck all, nothing. It, it doesn't. If you took out mercerism, it would still be the same.
2: Yes, but if you took out all of relevant all relevance to mercerism out of the book, you'd probably have about an, uh, sixty pages less.
1: Yeah, that'd probably be better. <laughs> it, it it didn't need to be there. It just added so much confusion. I can't get my head off the cobble off the back of the head. No, that was very
2: strange. That was a very strange. Uh, it's literally, I think that the the mercerism bit and like having a rock thrown at you <laughs> is my bit in the matrix when neo unplugs himself when he's reborn and he unplugs himself out of that thing i'm like how did he get there in the first place (laughs) and does that mean that he's also a robot because like if you were if you were grown as a baby there's no way you're having that kind of like you know that kind of surgery and still being alive absolutely not and so yeah that was that was my mercerism moment in the matrix or vice versa
1: What's your take on the old mercerism thing, Wayne?
0: I don't remember it. Did you read the book? About two years ago, four years ago. You
1: you didn't revisit it for the
0: podcast then? No. You big big knacker. (laughs) I remember not liking the book at all. I I remember thinking to myself, the book is badly written and all the characters in it are fucking arseholes, even Deckard. (laughs) Not one of them has got a redeeming quality. Um, They change Rachel um, irreparably, where she is a corporate puppet who is only there to what's the name of uh, the corporation in in the book? Begins with an R, doesn't it?
1: I can't remember. That's something I should have noted down. Rosen. Rosen.
0: Rosen. Yes. So she's she's a Rosen Corporation puppet, and the Rosen Corporation are basically Amazon. They just want world domination and they want to integrate everything they do into society. Whereas in the film, Tyrrell, um, the, the Tyrrell Corporation, he's... Oh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I must say difference. Um, yeah. He wants to... He's actually playing God to the point where he's created an android that can almost fool a voight test. And it's all about the scientific progress of making these androids rather than taking over the entire world. Um, the mercerism thing, I vaguely remember not caring about it at all in the book. Like you say, it didn't need to be there. Lots of stuff in the book I thought was a waste of time. You know, yeah. he ran for a start. His wife. No, what's the point of he ran? She's just there to piss him off.
1: She needs. she yeah, but she needs to be there because, um, like Phil said earlier, you know, with his whole purpose of being out there doing what he's doing, he says he can get the money to get the animal to keep her happy.
2: But also, it was very much, I think, up, it, it, even until now, if you watch any film that's got a cop in it, the wife always doesn't like them being a cop. And she's like, "You're never around." He goes, yeah, but I'm a cop. I gotta do my cop thing, man. Because but you never, <laughs> but you miss little Joey's football match. But I'm a I'm a cop, and I gotta stop murderers, man. And that was literally the first ten pages of the book. But that but but it was that, and I was like, "Geez, like I'm annoyed already." Because like, surely <laughs> I always say these women who marry policemen must know their policemen when they marry them, right? So why is it always the same crap? Ooh, I'm gonna I'm gonna depress myself today with my mood organ. Yeah, but why? Well, I've scheduled it in for six hours of moodiness. Why? <laughs> because he go around killing Andes. And then maybe that is as well what we're talking about. Maybe they're both androids. They both know it. Um, or at least she knows it, and he doesn't. And
1: that's why she's so annoyed. Hmm. This book did one thing for me that no other book has ever done, and it gave me the most troubling scene I've ever read in my life. And it's the scene where... That the Andy I can't think of a name. She's with Johnny Sidor, and she pulls the legs off a spider. Piss, piss. She pulls the legs off a spider, and for some reason, it's one of the most disturbing things I've ever read in my life. The way the way he he wrote it was
0: you a, amazing. You just passed the voice cam test, have not you? You
1: yes. had empathy,
0: empathy for the spider.
1: Yeah, her pulling the legs off the spider and enjoying it. It was kind of like. Yet yeah, they are different to us. They have no care, no feeling or give a shit about us or life.
2: Well, no, because um, no, because Batty, um, Batty took a vote to kill uh, Isidore there and then. He was like, yeah, should we kill him? He's like, well, he's helping us. Yeah, but should we kill him?
1: But that's it. He's helping us. Not, you know, oh, he's human. We shouldn't do that. No, he's helping us. Let's keep him alive because he's helping us. They definitely didn't have empathy, I don't think.
2: Yes, but, I mean, are we saying that, androids who know that they're androids don't have empathy where ones who again if we're saying for instance Deckard might have been an android and didn't know would have been programmed with enough empathy to be able to detect empathy otherwise he would be pointless at his job
1: that, that, that's, that's, that's expanding outside of the, 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 the parameters of the book I think that wasn't anything that was even hinted towards I don't think
2: what that Deckard was an android?
1: No, yeah, da. But about the empathy thing and how he was programmed
2: and well, no, but that makes sense because no, I, I'm only coming to that conclusion just from what we've just been saying. If androids don't have empathy, then would then that either means Deckard can't have been an android, or if he was an android, he was programmed with enough empathy to be able to detect it. Otherwise, he wouldn't be any good. It's a bit like building. Um, it's like building a vacuum cleaner that doesn't suck.
1: Or building a robot that doesn't give a blowjob.
2: Yeah, but would you want one? Which
1: brings us to the the important question, which is what this whole thing is all about. And it's it's inevitable you have to come to it eventually. And the the main question that the whole book and the whole film is is leading towards is, is it okay to have sex with a robot?
2: If it looked like Rachel Rosen, yes.
1: Which is weird because... With the way things, I mean, obviously we're, we're thinking about the way people are and the way things are today. Obviously he was writing that back in a time where racism was quite prevalent and, you know, being different was frowned upon. Whereas today, you know, you've got people, fucking rubber dolls, so something that looks looks normal and moves normal and acts normal, that, that that's more normal than fucking a rubber doll and everybody's doing that.
2: Well, Philip K. Dick would have lived most of his life in some form of segregation of some kind, or at least in a country which was massively segregated.
1: I don't know what, what why, why, where did he come from?
2: America. Okay. It's just I was yeah. just adding to your point.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, there's plenty. There's plenty to take from the book. There's plenty to take from the film. Did I enjoy either? I, I'd give the book three stars. I'd give the film one and a half stars. Um, I preferred the book because it it, it made you think. It made you look at things different. It made you think outside the box.
2: So, Richie, what was your favourite bit in the book?
1: My favourite bit in the book would have been... would have been probably the spider bit.
2: Okay, and what are they in the film?
1: The bit where... um, Right at the start, where the android shoots the bloke in the in the chair, and he goes say, through the I, wall.
2: Yeah, I love I love Brian James. I loved him in absolutely everything.
1: It was so strange the way after he shot him, the way he, he I couldn't work out what was going on. I had to watch it a few times to realise. Oh, he shot him. I couldn't work out why he went through the wall the way he did, and he looked like he'd been pulled through the wall by a piece of string which he probably had been but mm-hmm. you're not supposed to make it look like that it was the work some of the worst visual effects i've ever seen in my life well it was
2: 1982 I- i'll let them off yeah especially because the rest of the film looked pretty good
1: isn't it weird though how they make flying made flying cars look more real than yeah. they do now
0: yeah
2: uh, wayne what was your
0: favorite bit in the book I'm really struggle a lot here, boys, because I didn't like <laughs> the book at all. I really. Stru- I think. I think um, any scenes where he's there's an in-depth conversation about the animals because of the connotation of the animals. You know, you touched on it very early on. You were saying in the book it's very sparsely populated. The entire you know world is po- uh, sparsely populated. So the film makes some sense to me why it's overpopulated because interior of America is war-torn it, you can't live there, so if you are going to live, and you can escape the nuclear wasteland, you're going to move to the edges, that's why San Francisco is overpopulated that's that's why I, that's why what I took away from, from the film, the fact that these places are overpopulated, because there's nowhere else to go, and um, that's that's what I took from that. I like I like all the bits with with any anything anything with the the animals in in the book uh, where he talks about like the electric sheep, the goats, you know, and the whole that the whole class structure of owning an animal puts you higher in a food chain because you know, and the way we, we as a society now treat animals, you know, we, we treat them either as pets or as food and or as a way to you know get some of the food stuff. Whereas in Blade Runner, yeah, you keep them as a pet, but they're revered. You know, it's like, I own this. And it's a status symbol, and it's because they're not around anymore. So I think that's maybe why the scene where Pris pulls the legs off the spider is quite severe, because it's like animal life on, on Earth is more fragile than anything else. You know, and we're heading that way now with, with the whole, um, you know, greenhouse effect. Uh, in the film, there's only one scene and if you don't like that scene then you don't like the film and i have no idea why we're doing that podcast and it's the tears in rain scene with Rogala because that tells you everything you need to know about his character and the journey his character has been on
1: that was um that was improvised the whole thing yep which is quite amazing to think of. anything about it
0: it was it was written the night before. It wasn't like on the spot. Yeah, it's it's incredible because it's the arc of his journey. He starts as this revolutionary. He's coming back to Earth to find his God, and wants an extended life. When he when he doesn't get the extended life, he kills his God. Therefore, he is now God. And when he gets to the end of the, you know, um, the end of the film, where he's actually dying, where his body is shutting down systematically, and he's raging against the dying of the light, you know, very Dylan Thomas, you know, everything he's doing, he's trying to kill the man, who's trying to kill him, and in the last moment, he finds more humanity than than human, hence the whole ter- Tyrell um, storyline of more human than human. He saves yeah. Deckard when he could just let him fall. That scene is. One of the best scenes in cinema history.
1: Such an amazing scene. I can almost imagine after he he said his monologue. I can almost imagine Harrison Ford lying there, turning around, looking at the camera bloke, and going, "You did catch that, didn't you?"
0: Well, this is this is why I was talking to you about the stupid narration. The narration in in the original cut cheapens that scene so much that it's throwaway. But in the director's cut, you just you get Van brilliant score. The Symbolism of, of the the um of the dove flying away, symbolising you know the soul of this soulless android flying away, and and then it just moves on to the next scene without all the. You don't need to tell me what's just happened. I've just seen it. And if you watch the film without the narration, Harrison Ford acts his bollocks off in this film, and the you can tell why the narration is driving boring because Harrison Ford's going. I don't know why I'm doing this. You know, every scene that he does, where there's a stupid narration, it's all over his face. He's, he's acting his tits off. That's what annoys me about the film.
1: But I um, didn't get that, though. That's why I needed... See, I watched it the wrong way around, to be honest. I should have watched the one with the narration first, and then the the final cut. But I didn't. I watched it the other way around.
0: I mean, for me, either way, the, the book's a load of shite. I, I think it's <laughs> not brilliant at all. It's got some very heavy themes in there about being playing God and, you know, what makes one life more important than another and who says you should play God over a species just because you created it. You know, there's lots of that in there. And it's great, but it's been done better by lots, lots of other people. And I think the film is nuanced enough that you don't need it spelled out for you.
1: I think it's a philosophical masterpiece. It's touching on ethics. It's touching on racism. It's touching on the self. It's, it's touching on so many different, subjects that get you thinking and it's a, like I said the time that he wrote it he was thinking it was he was way well ahead of his his time
0: well seeing the time the book was written right so you're talking 1968 the Vietnam War is raging at this moment in time it's, it's been going for 13 years at this point the Vietnam War has and for me the replicants could easily be a manifestation of soldiers coming back and not feeling their worth, you know they've come back from a foreign land and it's just you know, all right. Get back into society. That's you know you could you could argue that political angle of it. I'm not even sure if if um, Philip K. Dick was sober enough to understand that that was going on at the time. But.
2: <laughs> My favourite part of the book was um, when he was a, when Deckard was interviewing the opera singer and then was subsequently arrested and then taken to the other police station. Cause I think that's when like there was, I think that was really the only tension in the book. That was the, what's going on? What's going to happen next? When he, when he phones his wife and somebody else answers and so on yeah. and so forth, I was like, wow, this is like, I've been waiting for something to happen. And this is the bit that's happened. So that was a bit that I enjoyed in the book. Um, in the film, I'll probably agree with Rutger Howard's bit at the end only because, only because I wanted to see some form of f- standoff, and I didn't get that out of the book. But I enjoyed other little bits, like um, where well, he was Sebastian, wasn't he, in the in the film, J.R. Isolade, whatever his name was, those little dwarf toys that he built. I like those.
1: Yeah, they were brilliant.
2: Yeah, I like that. They were pretty cool.
1: I, I will agree with Wayne. I, mean, I, I know I said that scene at the start where he got shot, but... That was just pretty much missing about. It. I think anybody who ever watches the film, everybody will agree that that scene at the end that monologue it, yeah it, it completely takes the whole that that, that that for me is the film. The whole film was bad, but that 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 bit there made, made it worth watching.
2: and I think it's a shame uh, if you look at if you look at the cast of people there like I mentioned Brian James who played um i don't know what his name was in uh, the film but the guy who shot the guy at the start, the android, who was with Roy Batty. Brian James is in absolutely everything, uh, like Tango and Cash, and he's like in every single 80s movie, mostly always the bad guy, Uh, always enjoy watching his films. And uh, Rugga for the performance that he gave, yeah, he had a long career and probably got over 100 credits to his name, but... Mostly B films. I don't think it wasn't. I mean, even when he did Hobo with a shotgun, it was. It was <laughs> still. It was still a grindhouse B movie. He never really got the the bigger roles that he probably deserved, and it was probably due to Christopher Walken. Yeah, I think just because Christopher Walken was a better actor and uh, got all of Ruggerhauer's roles that he could have got.
1: Yeah, if you could take. Something away from the film and the book, and add something to the film and the book. What would they be?
2: That's an interesting one. I think um, I think you're probably right with the book, and we touched on that earlier. The mercerism thing. I just think it just it, there was no payoff, and it didn't make any sense. And the payoff also didn't make any sense. But maybe that yeah. was, you know, it was. That's almost as bad as the bloke the bloke in Dallas having a shower, and then. Like or like being dead for a year, and then waking up in the shower. You know what I mean? It's like, but that that whole series was a dream. You know, was the whole is the whole book a dream? Who knows? So maybe take that mercerism bit out, pad it out a little bit more with with other stuff. Uh, or just leave it as a hundred and twenty page novel. That's fine. The film, it's I don't know. It's uh, I think I'd take more people out of it because it didn't feel. Like, the, it didn't feel as desperate. It felt very vibrant and energised. And there was these big ships going, come to Mars. And there was lots of food stalls and there was lots of people and there was clubs and pubs and bars and everything you'd expect in the future. Whereas in the book, it was very depressing and sad. Very sparse. Yeah, there wasn't many people. And the people that, like, like they talked about the kibble, whether it was that was a radiation eroding, like, your wardrobes and your furniture and all of that kind of stuff you know and slowly eroding you and you know there was there was a time limit on your life in that book but in the film there there wasn't and so so it, it kind of lacked urgency that i think the film lacked any form of urgency like i have to do this because of this it was find those droids okay
1: i think that's the thing that i ridley scott he if he wanted to make a remake of the book he would have called it why do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? He didn't want to remake it. He didn't even read the book. It was never meant to be, that I don't think. And I think people are always going to compare the two, but I don't think he's supposed to, because the 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 two complete different entities. It's like it's like Mortal Kombat the film versus um, Enter the Dragon the film. Same story, complete complete different retakes on the same it's, story.
2: It is exact. Well, I mean, no, but it is exactly the same. There's no difference. In those two films, whatsoever, <laughs> literally, like some of it is scene for scene, some of yeah. it is scene for scene, and it's just like, wow, how did uh, how did Paul W S Anderson get away with that?
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> what about you, Wayne? What would you add or take away?
0: Um, book I couldn't care about, I'm just leave it as it is. They did the best thing when they took the narration away from the film. The film is a Stone Cold masterpiece. Whatever a disagreement is, it's a 10 out of 10 for me. It is one of the greatest films ever made. And the, the themes in it are, are universal. The book, the book, not so much, you know. And I've read a couple of Philip K. Dick books there. They're hard to get into. And. Uh, yeah, his writing style's not for me. If I take, it, if it, yeah, all right, if I'm picking her hairs, I'd change Rachel because she's not sympathetic and you couldn't give a shit about her in the book at all. She's, she's just not supposed is. to be, though, is she? Well, that's the point. It's I don't care when 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 Deckard sleeps with her in the book. It's just proving my point that Deckard's an arsehole because that's that's all he's doing. He's, he's sleeping with her because she's a pretty robot. Or well, he's not a good protagonist in that in that sense you know it's the the theme doesn't run correctly for me all the way through the book it's not brilliant it's not um coherent enough and the characters don't seem to be flushed out enough
2: yeah i think Wayne's probably uh was a bit more eloquent there with what i was trying to say yeah i think like the characters the, that's what i'm saying there was kind of no urgency the, there was no real character development with anyone maybe other than Deckard in the film Uh, and maybe there wasn't really any with him I think maybe it was Roy Batty was the only person who had any kind of character development from what Wayne had alluded to earlier on and he was billed as the big bad nasty man but he probably he was the one who had the most character development out of everyone
0: both, I'd, I'd argue that. I'd say that both, in, in the film, especially, especially in the book, there's no character development. Deckard ends the, the book exactly the same way he started it, just minus a goat and minus a wife.
2: I also did like that bit in the book, when he gets back and goes, oh, yeah, that bird you just shagged, she just fucked your goat off the roof. Yeah. Um,
0: <laughs> the, my My argument for the character development is they both go... They both go the same way, but in opposite directions. So at the start of the book, Deckard is a full-on Blade Runner who falls in love with an android and sees them as an actual defined species with a limited lifespan. And, De- and Batty goes the other way and sees us as a species who can live longer than us, and we're wasting it. And they meet in the middle at the end of the film. And Deckard warms to the androids same way Roy Batty warms to the humans. No, that's that's my take on on the character development from both sides. Because if there's no character development, Deckard, would just waste Rachel at the end of the book, at the end of the film. Sorry. So that's that's what I take. I take that there's a meeting in the middle, and it's um, it's proven so as well. Because obviously the the sequel um, follows that exact storyline. So
2: I haven't seen that yet.
0: Oh, you haven't seen Blade Runner twenty fourteen? What the fuck is wrong with you, Phil? You're a film. I watched fan?
1: it. I watched it. I preferred it to the original. Well, no, the reason why I haven't
2: seen it is because the last time I watched Blade Runner was like 10 years ago and I wasn't really that impressed. And so now that I've read the book and I've watched the film in the last couple of weeks, I'll give it a watch now and then decide if any of it's any good. But I suppose we could, uh, should we come to a conclusion and give our, give our scores and then decide on what. I gave mine, didn't I? Oh, yeah. uh, No, was it out of five or out of ten?
1: Four, I gave I gave the uh, five star out of five stars.
2: Okay, so you give the you give the book what three?
1: I gave the book three, and I gave the film. No, no, give the book three, and the film two, two and a half.
0: And what one do and you a prefer? Half. You prefer so one and a half of you, the book. One and a half of the film.
1: Yeah, With so, you. So, you, did? No,
2: you did. Oh, did I? Yeah. yeah. So you would. Would you recommend the book, the film, or neither, Richie?
1: It's difficult because this kind of thing is subjective. If 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 I was talking to someone I thought was exactly like me, I would say no, probably not. But then if I was talking to someone I thought actually this person is just like Wayne, I'd say you know what, watch the film. It's it it's a subjective thing for me. I wouldn't. I wouldn't watch it again, and I wouldn't uh, read the book again.
2: Okay, Wayne, have you got a score for the book?
0: Oh, I'm going to be a generous and give it a two. There's some good themes in there, um, and obviously it spawned the the film that this is based off. Um, but other than that, it's it's quite forgettable. At times, there's there's nothing in there that probably wasn't written by somebody else in more in a more rounded sort of way, in a more coherent way as well just the themes are what make it stand out a little bit more than anything else i mean the film is we're only going up to five on this i always do out of ten but it's a five out of five it's it's a stone cold masterpiece is blade runner everything about blade runner is, is brilliant the scores fantastic the effects i don't care what you're saying that the effects are 40 years old the effects are fantastic still
2: no no i agree the effects are really good actually it reminded me of the total recall remake
0: oh that's unfortunate
2: <laughs> well, no, but no, but like like the building structure and how how tall everything was because obviously you got all the flying cars and stuff and it was just like if you look at a recall it was uh, the 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 Colin Farrell version it was very tall very dark very like straight line buildings and if you look at Blade Runner it was exactly the same so I don't know whether they were taking from that
0: um, yeah i guarantee they are why would you not
2: yeah indeed I would give I would give the book yeah. I'd... I'd, if it's five say I'll struggle with five because...
1: we can work from ten. I'll give the I'll I'll give the book a five out of ten and I'll give the film a three. Three.
2: So you're gonna go for a ten out of ten then for the film, um Wayne. What did you give the book?
0: Sorry. So I'm about a four.
2: Yeah, I think I would give the book a five out of ten. Um I would be interested to read other Philip K. Dick books to see if he was as miserable in all of the others. Uh, the film, I'd give probably... Give, well, I think I gave a seven on IMDb, so I'd, I'd give it a seven. And I think this this might be one of the rare versions where I would recommend the film over the book, just about. Oh,
1: see, I wouldn't. Well, no.
2: To, to the reason why because I've thought about this and the reason why I would recommend the film is because I don't think you're missing anything in the book, particularly. I think you are. I <laughs> no, think no, no, you're missing no,
1: the whole, the, the, no, the, the, no, the no. book is, is, like I say, it's a philosophical masterpiece. It's all about the philosophy. No, don't get me wrong. When it comes down to it, it's a film about
2: a bloke tracking down some robots. So if, <laughs> if so like watch that, Watching track down the robot and don't worry about the sheep. You know, what I mean, that's like saying
1: that's like saying uh, what read, read the book Animal Farm. Don't worry about the old Russian thing behind it and the whole Cold War and everything. Just it's just a nice story about animals in a farm. It's, you, can't, <laughs> you, you can't you, you, you can't ignore the, the 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 you know the the whole meaning behind it. Yeah,
2: but the, no, but the thing is that I don't think I could recommend that book to anyone. Fair enough. That's the reason why I say watch the film. If someone said, "Have you seen Blade Runner yet? Have you read the book?" Well, no. Well, don't bother. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, because, Unless you like philosophy.
2: Yeah, that's great. But I mean, I think I think we all agreed. I, I struggled reading that book. Struggled up until about page forty, and then I was like, "Oh, okay, I can get into this now." Whereas if I said to someone, "I recommend you reading Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep,' and then the next day I go, "Mate, I got three pages in it, and threw it in the bin." <laughs> They wouldn't take a recommendation off me again. True. So in that case, what I'd say is go and watch the film, and then if you like the film, go and read the book.
1: Okay. Yeah. Fair enough.
2: That's where I'm coming from.
1: I'm glad they did the uh, the sequel um, rather than a remake.
2: Yes. But even though I haven't seen it, I do agree. You couldn't remake the film. It would be ridiculous.
1: Um, so what we're going to have to do now is we're going to have to choose a book and a film for next time. Okay, um, are we doing that
2: now or are we doing that? Like... Yeah,
1: we'll do it now, we'll do it now.
2: <clears throat> okay, what do you fancy?
1: What do I fancy? Actually, now that I've mentioned it, I quite fancy Animal Farm. Not the porno, the, uh, the, George, the, the George Orwell classic.
0: Um, there, Yeah, there's an animated um, film from back 1974. Okay,
1: that's, that's perfect. I don't know where we'd find it, but I'm sure it's on YouTube. Sorted then, George Orwell's Animal Farm for next time. Last time I read that book was at school, so I I I, I'm, I, I will have to go through it again.
2: Looks like Pete Pothelsway is in the live-action Animal Farm movie.
1: I don't know who that is.
2: Kobe um, Ashi from Usual Suspects.
0: I don't know who that
1: is.
2: For fuck's sake. Is
0: the hunter in Jurassic Park 2? Got ya. and that's the difference between you being his friend Richie, and me Uh, (laughs) Phil and me being his friend (laughs) cool
1: so yes uh, until next time then I've been Richie
0: I've been mine I've been Philip
1: Fire off the shoulder
2: of Orion. I watched sea beans glitter in the dark near the ten
0: a gate. All those moments will be lost in time, like tears you okay.